0: You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. Our thanks go to J. Hill Marketing and Creative Services today for sponsoring this podcast and supporting every single one of our very special community members. We would not be here without your support. Speaking of support, J. Hill Marketing loves to support authors in publishing their books. They're not a publishing house. Their editing house offers professional executed, professionally executed rather, and author copyright retention at a fraction of what other publishing houses are charging. Give them a call today. Look him up, I should say, on the website at Hill. That's two L's, jhillmark.com. My guest today is a woman whose soul I am deeply intertwined with. The moment Teresa Byrne and I met, we could finish each other's sentences and swap knowing glances in the midst of conversation. We have traveled down many rabbit holes together. A TBI survivor, she came out on the other side of her near death experience with greater knowledge of the universe, and she seeks to use that knowledge to help people live their be- very best lives every day. She is a master instructor in martial arts, the founder of Empower Living, where she teaches you how to use your innate power and set proper, healthy boundaries. That this just isn't important, it's necessary to thrive. Keeping us safe, sane, and within our sacred boundaries and inner power, or in power, unleashes our super stardom. In addition to this, she is also soon to be a TED Talk veteran. Please welcome my sister from the same soulful mister, Teresa Byrne.
1: Wow, Hillary, I kind of like your introduction. I I uh, would never say that stuff about myself. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. It's all true.
0: I mean, that's the whole thing is, you know, I'm a truth teller, right?
1: Yes, you are.
0: Yes, I'm so glad you're back on the show. Oh, oh my me goodness. too. Me too. I know, it's been so long, but it's been like, what, a little over a
1: year probably. I think so. I think we were Christmas, Christmas of 2000 and something, 2017, I think. Craziness. So catch us up on what you've been up to. Oh, let's see. What have I done? What have I done? Well, I always like to have a lot of irons in the fire. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have just published a book on powerful partnering with some co-authors because imagine, and you mentioned sacred safe boundaries in the introduction. Imagine having those same Boundaries, not just for yourself, but while you're in a relationship with someone else yeah. and honoring their boundaries, well, what would that look like?
0: Well, it's amazing because we don't talk about boundaries enough to begin with in relationships. And I th- and you're right. When we do talk about boundaries, we only talk about them in reference to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like, these are the boundaries that I need, but we don't
1: talk about other types of boundaries. That's fascinating. So, I love it and imagine yeah. that we if we hold space for ourselves mm-hmm. to be sane safe and sacred and we can hold that space for someone else a partner a partnership even if it's just it's business even if it's parenting, even if it's family it, it's not just partnership as far as a relationship goes it helps. So the book is called Powerful Partnering which is really all about us having co-creative adventures instead of struggles. So let's talk about holding space. That is
0: a big buzzword this year. And I want people to, like, when we introduce something like that, you know, a phrase like that, we need
1: to know exactly
0: what we're referencing.
1: So imagine that this is what I teach kids. And if I can teach it to kids, I can teach it to anybody. Um, (laughs) Around you, there is the bubble bubble right? And I always think of the bubble as about two and a half to three feet around us. And it's almost exactly your arm's length. So it's this safety bubble around you. It's this boundary that you have. And most of the time when people teach about boundaries, they're teaching about what they want to keep out or back off, get away, don't want that in. Mm -hmm. What if, just throwing this out there, what if we talk about what we want to keep in? That safety bubble, that safety boundary, not only does it keep what you don't want away, but you keep the good stuff in. It's like you could build a little house in there with fuzzy pajamas, bunny slippers. (laughs)
0: That would totally be our house, wouldn't it? Like if you and I were roommates, could you even imagine? It would be like, okay, Like uh, your regular clothes would not be allowed. Only pajamas, (laughs) bathrobes, fuzzy slippers. uh, You know, it's just crazy. But it's interesting because you're really flipping it from the standpoint that we don't go there. We are a society of what we don't need we identify what we don't need first over what we do need.
1: Exactly. And I will say that that's not, I do teach boundaries. I say upside down and backwards Mm -hmm, (laughs) because mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. always taught about what we don't need. But here's what I figured out. We find out what works for us typically by what doesn't work. So that becomes our defining line. Ah. It's almost like I like it when someone is kind to me. I like it when someone listens to me. And if someone interrupts me a lot, then that's a boundary. And I'm like, oh, oh, look, I don't like being interrupted. (laughs) Right? I mean, I I love pitch and catch when we're in a mutual conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, No, totally. Absolutely. It's almost like it shows you when something crosses that boundary, that line, you're like, oh, don't like that. Don't like that. And then you can kind of remember that for later. Um, Remember that when you hear somebody talking negatively a lot, that just sets off something inside you you don't really like. So you can, you can then create that, that safety bubble, that boundary around it. Now, that's a sticking point, too,
0: because a lot of times we get stuck in the negative. Mm. So we'll say, okay, I don't like this. Like, I'm going to walk away from it. I think we don't get enough information from Mm. what we don't like because we don't spend enough time with it. Oh, you know what? We never defined holding space, did we? Or is that my fibro fog brain again?
1: No, I think we should totally define holding space. (laughs) I think we should totally go back.
0: <laughs> that's this is a beauty. Like, yeah, between you and I having a conversation, you with your TBI, me with my fibro fog, it's like this is ridiculous
1: that we <laughs> will circle that's, back. That's why I love that this is the only podcast of its kind, Hillary, because <laughs> this is how real life really is. It is real life. And
0: do you ever? wonder why you can remember the lyrics to like a foreigner no, song right? I want to know what love is you know and then you're like why am I in the kitchen <laughs> you know or like why are the scissors in the vegetable drawer?" but I want to know
1: what love what is I put my like, in just, the freezer
0: like, yes <laughs> like, like oh idea? my god yes it's ridiculous the things that we retain so I don't think we spend enough time because we're so hard on ourselves that yes. goes very much on theme with what we're talking about today. Holding space to me before we jump into please, please. your TED Talk. Holding space to me means, here's an example. If I ever move with my husband again, okay? Okay he is, and I just tell him this now we can laugh at it. I'm like, you're the worst person to move with ever. Okay? <laughs> ever. Okay, He's like a sergeant. And I'm like, ah, you know, and so I just, and, and if we ever did that again, like I can't help, I can't do, you know, what I did before. So I said, if we ever did that again, then, um, I'm, I'm holding space. Or I said, uh, I'm giving us a wide berth, and he looks at me like I was crazy. And I said, No, what I mean is, we're going to have our feelings mm-hmm. and we're going to allow each other to feel them. And if things go off track, we'll say, Well, we know what the intention is. And this is coming out of stress. So holding space to me is kind of non judgmental, coming through emotions and honoring what you or someone else is
1: feeling. I. Don't think I could do any better than that. The only thing I would add is holding space allows you to detach from the trigger. Mm, Okay. I mean, because think about it. If your husband was a sergeant, you could totally be like, I can't stand how you are. This is horrible. I'm attacked. I'm attacked. And you're not really attacked. You are holding space to be for who he is and not judging it and also not being attached to it, which is easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. Um, Oh no,
0: it's major mindset work because oh, yeah. when we when we moved i was like oh i'm so attached to this that i'm so personally you know taking this in mm-hmm. and now i'm like hey everything is circumstantial <gasps> this right? is not it's not a reflection of a relationship or dynamic or whatever and so it's the objectivity
1: that mm-hmm. gives you power it seems like It does because it takes you out of, and we'll talk about this with the inner bully, it takes you out of that adrenal response where you feel like there's something you have to defend against. When you hold space for another human being, no matter how they are or who they are, um, you allow them to be themselves without taking it personally. What are the four agreements, right? Like, don't take things personally. Try your best. And the other two that I – be impeccable with your word and then the one I always forget. But not taking it personally – What's that from, though? Because Uh, I want to make sure we'll hook it up. The Four Agreements is a great book by Don Miguel Ruiz. Okay, great. Okay. And not taking it personally allows the other person to be themselves without the pressure of pleasing you, making a difference for you, making it better for you. Um, And it takes our codependency. If we want to make someone else incredibly happy all the time, it takes that out, too. It's just like, oh, look at you being the sergeant or look at you having fibro fog brain or me or look at me I like ADD
0: (laughs) this is real life man like you can't even And people are like I wonder if they do a script for this show could you could you even come up with some no this is like no every time you and I come on we have this kind of banter Mm. too and it's just I'm always just so thrilled that we get to share that together. Now, you are about to become even more famous than you are dun, dun, dun. in Chapel Hill, North Carolina on April twenty-seventh. You are doing a freaking TED Talk, which is amazing. And I know that you don't like to talk about how this came about, which is why I want to talk about it. Because I <laughs> because you're supposed to be laughing with me. <laughs> this I'm holding space. I'm holding space. <laughs> so- Okay, because I think we need to honor how it came about for
1: you. You were like discovered from a couple years ago. I it was a complete and utter. I don't want to use the at word accident because I believe so much in synchronicity. Sure. But one of the advisory board members um, on the committee for the mm-hmm. TED Talk mm-hmm. just happened to be uh, someone who was in an audience of a talk that I did during my TBI recovery. yeah, And I put these workshops together because I needed to keep giving. I, I, it was important for me to feel useful. And while I was in recovery for brain injury, there wasn't a lot I could do. I, I wasn't able to teach martial arts anymore. I wasn't able to uh, teach boxing. So no classes or no teaching. So I created these workshops, not knowing where they would lead. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, a few years yeah. later, Someone who'd been in the audience of one of them ended up on the advisory board and alerted me to the fact that um, there was a TED Talk in Chapel Hill, um, asked if I consider applying. And I was like, I'm hell to the yeah. (laughs) Where do I put in my submission? Where do I create? And it was just such a blessing. And I have some clients in North Carolina, so it made it viable Usually a TED, or t- TEDx or TED, TED talk is in the area, but this was a total miracle. I feel so incredibly blessed and lucky and um, wowed, really yeah. wowed. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: so, talk about your workshops. So before we move again, before we move into the, I want I want people to understand: are these the
1: In Power Living workshops? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is. Most of my work, so I teach self-defense. I'm a uh, a national self-defense trainer, um, fourth degree martial arts, um, black belt, fourth degree black belt. And all my work has been in helping people find that inherent sense of power. And eventually uh, what I started seeing was we place too much of our power outside of us when it's really best served inside. And so if we can come at it from inner inherent Inside inner power, and then that's what we bring to the world. It helps us sort of drive our own bus. I've never said it that way, but it helps us drive our own bus instead of being like in the back going, Where are we going? What's someone gonna want from us? What do they want us to do? (laughs) I mean, think about it. If you're if you're a passenger in the the bus, you have no idea where you're going, and life just happens to you. Putting you in the driver's seat means you're inherently in your own power figuring out what would I like next, what I want to happen next. So these workshops were all based in the things that help us thrive. You happen to life. Yes, you flip it, right? Oh
0: yeah. Right? And Yes. It's funny because, so I'm reading Tony Robbins' book, uh, Awaken the Giant Within. It's this old one, but I was like, okay, I'm going to start reading Tony Robbins and I want to start at the beginning. So if I get to like 2015, I'm not like, oh my God, what was uh. he saying? And I wanted to read his book, not just absorb bits and pieces of him, like through media. You know, I just wanted to like sink into his mindset. And it's very true because it talks about like, are you going to run your day or is your day going to run you? Are you mm. going to be reactionary all day long? Or are you going to say, let's say you get on the road, right? And everybody is prone to road rage. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. It's it's aggravating when people are out of control. Um, you ha- build the safe little capsule around you, which is your car. Mm. And you behave in ways you never would. Like you'd never slam the door in somebody's face going into a TJ Maxx you know but you right. will cut somebody off so this is a great way and a great opportunity to practice you happening to life mm. right by being in that car and saying okay i am going to be in this state of mind regardless of what happens around me that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. with in power and that now finally moves into <laughs> the topic of your TED Talk, which is your inner bully. So like these two things mm. go together hand in hand. What What is your inner bully though?
1: Your inner bully is the, the voice inside of you that might be based on what you were told as a kid or the worst that you think about yourself. Because mm-hmm. think about how often... Thoughts. The National Science Foundation found that we have 12 to 50,000 thoughts a day. My whole joke is, who's the guy that's calculating that? Was he there with like a, you know, like a clicker? Like, your thumb would be so (laughs) sore. I know. So we have 12 to 50,000 thoughts every single day, and without stopping to think about our thinking, they're just coming at us. Mm -hmm. And some of those thoughts are about ourselves, and they're not good. We are not raised in a society that supports, yay, me. Look what I did. How yeah. often? I mean, think about it. When you're a little kid, you get acknowledged for pooping. There's no one acknowledging us for pooping now. <laughs> 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 yep, I, on
0: the party. <laughs> you know what? I take issue with that. I get acknowledged when I do a good job pooping. I do. My husband's like, all right, way to go. <laughs>
1: I'm a little bit in love with your husband right now. I know. I know. I'm telling
0: you. like He'll cheer you on and everything. He's like, look at you pour that. You didn't even spill a drop
1: of that. Okay. I love that. So there's not that. In our heads, we have a society that is built on um, negativity. So we're always looking for what's wrong with us and what we can do right next. like Even if you achieve something, I don't know. I have this friend who's this amazing writer and copywriter. She put together a podcast and then she wrote a book, an amazing book. And now I don't think you sit around and you are the, who I'm talking about. I don't think you sit around going, yeah, go me. You're always like, okay, what's next? What's What's next? next? Where do I want to go?
0: What's next? Yeah. And
1: the inner bully is the voice in us. And it might come from fear. It might come from doubt. It might come from shame. If we ever grew up as shame in our household or as a kid, I have worked with so many women who, and men who might've been heavy as a a kid, or even uh, men that were small, Yeah. Or weaker. And they still feel that same type of bully. Like they have to prove they're strong because they don't feel strong. There's a voice in their head telling them they're weak or there's a voice in their head telling them they're fat or they're not okay or they're not good enough. And that is the inner bully. And left unbidden, it can run rampant. It creates an adrenal response, a physiological response of fight or flight, but we get so used to it we can't even distinguish it. We just think that's misery. We just think that uh, weight issues, inflammation, insomnia, depression, anxiety. And I'm not saying the inner bully causes these things. It's symptomatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It exacerbates.
0: And you can't get out of that cycle a lot of times because you don't have that objectivity to see that you're even in the cycle. So it's like, what is your frame of reference? I talked with a friend about complex PTSD, which is differentiated from PTSD. Let's and we'll we'll make the distinction this way. If you go to war and you have one event where you're blown up, okay? Mm-hmm. When I say blown up, that's what they say over there. Like I was in a I was in an MRAP and I was blown up. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean you died, it means you hit a bomb. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's event is like a snapshot in your mind of before and after and it's traumatic and it it changes you immeasurably and it can trigger you all based on that event the complex ptsd is continual exposure to trauma mm. then which sets us up, it it sets everything up in our bodies, like how we respond to things and things like that. So especially people who have experienced a traumatic childhood or traumatic events, a traumatic relationship. Abuse? Kind of, yeah, abuse. They've gotten it drilled into their heads that they don't have any power.
1: hmm If you ever look at the work of, uh, oh, I'm not going to remember his name, uh, Learned Helplessness, mm. and that wow. is a belief that what I say doesn't matter, what I want doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. my actions don't matter, I can't make anything different. Uh, I want to say Marshall McClellan, but that could be my TBI brain going, throw that name out there. But it's learned helplessness. And, And there's also a way for us to create learned hope. Because learned helplessness is hopelessness. But we can learn how to create hope. Look at you. You didn't spill a drop. Look at you. Good job pooping. We can create learned hope.
0: <laughs> this podcast is going to go down in history. People will be like, is that the one where you talked about your husband cheering you on when you poop? Yes, it is. That's correct. Thank you. Yes. But, thank you
1: for remembering that. Yes.
0: You know, and, but we need to, so let's talk about the inner bully in terms of, so this can come from anywhere. Yes. You can get the inner bully from your mom, your dad, your sisters, your brothers, your grandpa, a teacher, A car instructor, like your student driver instructor or whatever, like a a boss. It can come from anywhere. And it's not necessarily even a person. The inner bully can be that you're exposed to like tons of negativity. And then you are your own inner bully because you create your own self-talk.
1: Yeah, it's like we suddenly believe something about ourselves. So one of my one of the most fascinating things after my brain injury, I was in nine months of cognitive retraining therapy. So mm-hmm. fascinating. Our brain loves the sound of our voice the most. So if you ever want to do intentions or declaration statements and you want to start to believe, record them in your own voice. Your brain loves the sound of your own voice. So when you're talking to yourself about yourself, there's a part mm. of you that's just like yeah mm-hmm, that's the truth. That's true. I'm not good enough. I'm no one wants to hear what I have to say. I'm uh, it's dangerous for me to speak up my mind. We believe that about ourselves, whatever that thought process is. And it's almost as if it, it could have been something someone said about us, but some things don't stick. Mm-hmm. It's the things that stick, it's what we say about ourselves to ourselves. So, whether we so it. It has to do with the beliefs that we
0: have about ourselves. So whether we repeat these negative beliefs to ourselves or somebody else says it, Mm -hmm. especially probably when somebody else says it, then we're like, oh, yeah, they're right because I think that about myself anyways.
1: Bingo. You never get bullied about something you don't believe. If somebody yelled at you and was like, you're purple with polka dots, you'd be like, that's right. I'm rocking the purple with polka dot. (laughs) Like someone called you something that you are not, it wouldn't affect you. <laughs> if you've got a belief that you're purple, and your yes. polka dots aren't like everyone else's polka dots. Then yeah. you have an issue with it. You get triggered. Yeah,
0: you do. You add, that's that. It's like the state of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm totally hearing that. Like if somebody called you a thoroughbred horse, you wouldn't it be like. Right? You wouldn't be like, well, hmm, thank you, you know, like you wouldn't,
1: (laughs) you wouldn't care about it. I know, I'd be like, thank you, thank you.
0: I, I shake my mane. But if they said like anything that you happen, you're selfish, you're lazy um you know you didn't try hard enough Ugh. you wrecked that thing that the whole team was working on all of these things that we have in our head these are like the little secret nasties mm-hmm. that we have in our heads that whisper to us and we have to learn how to sit them in the corner and gag them
1: or listen to them instead of so resistance creates persistence If you resist something, you just give it more power. We talked about what's driving the bus. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you listen to something and you say, wow, that's harsh. Wow. I believe that about myself. Wow. Is that really even true? And you can counteract it simply by sitting it down in a chair, pushing it, putting it in a corner and giving it a little, instead of fighting our inner bully, which gives it more power, why don't we just find a way I, I teach some people to do a pause an empower pause where you just take in a breath for three seconds and then you move into the part of your brain that allows for creativity and you say wow all right I hear you I hear you I hear you and you may not even have to do anything about that you may just have to let it have its little voice Imagine a little angry kid. So think about a bully. A bully feels disempowered. They're angry. Somebody else, somebody else took their power away, right? Mm-hmm. What if you learned how to make, I mean, maybe not friends, but like acquaintances with your inner acquaintances bully my, like, my, you may sit there. Hello. <laughs> I see you. My inner bully is doubt. Anytime I try on something big or I, I move onto a bigger stage, doubt loves to come in, shows up. Starts yeah. dancing around in my head. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do this. You've never done this before. Yeah. And absolutely. I have to be like, hi, Doubt. There you are. Aren't yeah. you fun? No. Right. <laughs> and, and and the other thing about your podcast, a lot of the the people listening to this have de- dealt with chronic or debilita- debilitating um, illnesses or diseases. Well, oh my God, how easy is it to beat yourself up for what you used to be able to do and what you can't do now? So easy.
0: It's very easy. So, And we also have the judgment from the outside world because we're, some of us have invisible illnesses, which creates its own type of conflict. Um, But even visible illnesses, we have the perception, we always say dis, it's disabled. So it is, it is a subtraction of being able, it is less than, Mm -hmm. and so that's the stigma You know that we encounter, and when you're in that environment, then it's really hard to not label yourself and to not say, "Well, that's you now. You're disabled," and as as a result, you know you can only do X, Y, and Z. So you're making friends with the inner bully, and I guess that's what I do. I mean, I'll acknowledge it. Something will come up, and um, and I'll think, "Okay, well that came up. Okay, that's not true." whatever, you just do your thing. Like I don't, it's almost like quitting smoking. This is a
1: lifestyle Mm. change that you're embarking on. How do you recognize when your inner bully shows up?
0: I see it in behaviors that Mm. I'm trying to change. Mm. And I'll, and I'll say things like, I don't typically use the word stupid. For example, like I never call myself stupid. Ever. I don't even say that was a stupid decision. I just say, whoa, that really, that didn't go well. Mm All righty then. But when I care about what somebody else is thinking about, then I'll be like, oh my God, that was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. And the second that I do that, Teresa, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, you're in your feelings right now. You're not being rational and you're
1: reacting. You need to stop. So huge. And that's the pause. It's the recognizing that. And that's that breath. It
0: is the breath. Absolutely. Because I used to think that, and I think lots of people who have been through repeated trauma will think that you need to finish that fight right now. Oh, You got to finish it right now. Because then you're going to get the relief that you've been seeking. Whatever that relief looks like, in terms of an abusive relationship, um, it might be just enough to know that things are okay today. So Mm -hmm. I know it's still crappy to be here, but things are okay today. And I need to know everything. I'm going to follow this person around the house. We're going to have it out. It's going to get ugly. Mm -hmm. Because nobody is taking the time to stop and say, I need to be in control instead of being reactionary. And it's, am- it's amazing, the difference.
1: So our fight or flight systems, you hear a lot about that, fight, flight, mm-hmm. or freeze. And those are built to have us in action. Fight is anger. Somebody mm-hmm. says something that makes you mad, you get angry. Someone says something that makes you feel fearful, you run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those are, I love our fight or flight system. I've been able to teach people how to use them powerfully to get out of negative, uh, toxic relationships or you know, um, uncomfortable or, or dangerous situations. But when they're in relationship with ourselves or when the, that adrenal system or that fight or flight shows up in relationships, it's not necessarily the best <laughs> reaction. Um, and that's why we have to move out of that system. We have to move into that the part of our brain, the neocortex, which allows us to have empathy or be able to think or have creative solutions. That's not possible when you're angry or you know, when you're in your like raw, or when you're running. Away, I'm running away.
0: You know, and anger seems to be very rooted in ego in terms of how dare you, Mm. um, outrage, and also fear, definitely. But I think it's a very egotistical emotion because we are responding to a stimulus Mm -hmm. that we don't like. Mm -hmm. And we make it about how it is affecting us when that may not even be the case, may have nothing. Nothing to do. In the case of like the person who's driving, um you know, and they're speeding and they're zipping in and out of lanes or whatever, you don't know if they're having an emergency in the car. Right. They might be having a stroke and they're trying to get to the hospital. Well, like they're getting know. their animal to the veterinary hospital. That's what right. I always think. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like we, there seems to be multiple pieces to this. So first is identifying your inner bully. Mm-hmm. And are there ways to identify that inner bully? So like for me, I know when my behavior changes, like
1: we talked about, what happens with you when your inner bully comes out? I will start to feel an anxiety panic. Mm -hmm. And I don't live my life that way. I live my life more in a uh, peaceful state. So when that anxiety shows up, then I have to go, okay, what's going on? And I might feel the anxiety before I recognize I'm having a thought of anxiety or I'm feeling paralyzed or I'm feeling unsure. And so for me, it's recognizing a feeling I don't want. Yeah. And then what do you do about it? Um, The first part is I pause. Mm -hmm. Um, Three seconds has been shown to be enough. So I'll do a three-second inhale and just let the breath out. So if I'm in that freezing state or if I'm in, in that anxiety state, it means my fight or flight system is activated. Mm-hmm. What I, I know I have to do is not resist it. I need to let it move through my body. Breath is the antidote to anxiety. Breath is the antidote to adrenaline. Interesting. It's okay. the first thing we do when we come on the planet. and It's the last thing we do before we leave. Breath is the breath of life.
0: So, if we're in the midst of an anxiety attack, breathe, breathe deeply, right? Yeah, because get, get when, present. Okay, because you're trying to escape those shallow breaths. So, you recognize you're in a inner bully based on, I don't want to say behaviors, but just based on feelings that come mm-hmm. up in you, right? Mm-hmm. You address it by pausing. Do you say anything to I that do. inner
1: bully? Do you? I do. So I like to use a, a mantra mm-hmm. and the mantra w- will differ depending on what my bully is saying. But basically the bully is telling me I'm, I'm I don't know something. My, my, my favorite bully is doubt, uh, self doubt. So I will say, you're right. I've never done that before, but until I wrote a book, I'd never done that before either. Mm-hmm. until i did uh was on television i'd never been on television before yeah. so i will either address that and then i will say usually my favorite words to myself are i got this i'll just do it my way i got this you do it your way something like that like allowing myself the freedom not to make it look like everyone else because oftentimes i won't think like anyone else i don't think like everybody else or i don't do things like everybody else and it stresses me out when I try to do something like someone else
0: yeah and you can't anymore (sighs) like physiologically that you don't have that ability
1: because of your brain injury I, I and I don't I it's so funny I can't flirt I can't lie. I don't have facades. I got no game. I got none of that game. (laughs) What do you mean you can't flirt? What does that mean? (laughs) Like, I am, I used to be this great, like, hey, how are you doing? I am now just, like, honest, like, the filters of (laughs) being able to, it's, so awkward. Watching me flirt is literally like watching a child trying to put blocks together in, in, um, circles because it's, it's super, uh, but I'm much better just being honest with somebody or, um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's no game. There's no game. There's no facade. There's no lying. It's just not possible. My brain can't function on two different levels like that at the same, like my behavior matches what I'm thinking. (laughs) It's not a lot of subterfuge. I see. Okay. So, but there's got to be a little superpower to that also. I like to think of it. It's, it's like, there's a line in a movie. I can't remember. It's like the face, the corresponding face matches the corresponding emotion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh. I love that. So do you think everybody has an inner bully? Or to some degree, to, some, to degree. some degree, and what is the people? I don't want to say most successful, like in terms financially and things mm-hmm. of that nature, but living their best life. Those people have been able to
1: what tame the inner bully to live civilly with it. I would say that they've been able to turn their inner bully into their inner warrior. They've found a way to tap into their inner warrior which we haven't really talked about yet. And depending on time, we can go into a little bit, but by befriending or by hearing your inner bully, you can turn it into your friend. You can turn it into a champion for you, your inner warrior. Wow. Okay. So how does
0: that happen then? Because you're, you've got this voice that says, wow, you can't do this. What are you doing? And how do you turn that? That's the polar opposite mm-hmm. into way
1: to go. Keep going. Well, I would say watch my TED Talk on April 27th in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I will teach you. <laughs>
0: uh, oh. but Yeah, don't they, give it all away.
1: I can't give it all away. But yeah. basically, uh, the inner warrior is the part of the, our DNA of our cells. Maybe it's the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, which lives for our survival. There's a part of ourselves that live for self-preservation. The inner bully is really just trying to keep us safe. Yeah. It's yeah. just trying to keep, and sometimes that means small. It's, yeah. it's scary to be big. It's scary to do uh, things outside of our comfort zone. And so it's just got messages for us. And by learning, for me, doubt shows up when I'm doing something big, when I'm on the cusp of something.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, so they can make you small, they can make you big, and by making you small as an inner bully, I mean like I think they're magnifying the fear mm-hmm. as well that you have because it gets bigger and bigger. it goes from a mouse to a bear mm-hmm. like it because when you actually confront it and when you confront that inner bully, like the the cusp seems to be deciding to take action, recognizing it, deciding to take action. Those are the scariest pieces. Once you confront it, you look back and go,
1: oh, that was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes, it's things we haven't done before. Right. And there's right. a reason. We've never done that before. It might be scary. Bad things could happen. Run away! Run away! But... The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my inner bully. Apparently, my inner bully is freaky with <laughs> hair on fire. But... <laughs> You're gonna do it. you're gonna mess it up. You are oh not sure what you're doing. but by oh. by acknowledging, hey, guy, girl, bully, I get that you're trying to keep me safe, but yeah. I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna, and that's the inner warrior part of us. Like you can turn it over to the part of us that wants to thrive,
0: and it's really helpful to focus on action. And just say, you know what, I'm going to, I acknowledge these feelings. They're in the chair over there. That's great. I'm pausing. Uh, You know, and not doing anything is a very viable response. (laughs) Making no choice is still a choice. And yes. 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 Especially when you're in a critical situation and you don't know what to do, where that reaction might throw you over to catastrophe. Mm. So you just want to sit and go, I don't know how to handle this yet. Or if somebody, this has happened to me, somebody will say something and I'll go, huh, that didn't sound very nice. Mm. And I want to I fight back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take a pause and go, I don't know if I understood their intention. Mm. You know, give them, give, give them a little leeway because we're all, and I say this a lot, we are all fumbling, <laughs> bumbling on this planet. And we we just ascribe this intent to people, oh, they meant to do that. Right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's a great quote that was attributed to Albert Einstein, which he didn't say. That is, the b- biggest decision you'll ever make is, do you live in a hostile or friendly universe?
0: Oh, my gosh, I love it. And that's the perfect end note for the speedy, super speedy podcast today, which, again, I was like, how do we get two of these in the bag with you? Because it's like time just... Flies when okay. you're on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Teresa Byrne is proof that sometimes we need our lives to be shaken up to jolt us onto a new path. She is also living the truth of choosing where to put your focus when it comes to pain. It is so easy to crumble and fold into misery. And instead, Teresa is getting to know the new her. We can't imagine the struggle that must have taken place to get comfortable again in a changing and changed mind. If you would like to get in touch with Teresa so she can put you in touch with your in power and okay. flip your mind upside down too, please reach out to her at TeresaByrne.com. That's B-Y-R-N-E, com, and we'll have that information for you on the website as usual. My big day is coming up and you are all invited. Woo, it's a world party. On April 18th at 6.30 p.m. at the Barnes & Noble Galleria in Edina, Minnesota is my book signing event for six success, complete with finger foods and adult beverages. No other way to party, right? I hope to see you there, to meet you, and that you'll join the celebration. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Until next time, be well.